You're listening to Season 2, Episode 22 of Talk and Rock with GMH. Let's talk and rock. It's Talk and Rock with GMH. Welcome to the podcast where we talk rock. I'm your host, GMH, and thank you so, so much for tuning in today. Now, we have an interview coming up next with Ivan from the band Men Without Hats. And um, I was super honored to get the opportunity to do this interview. And uh, I really appreciate the group for reaching out to me. And I'm very excited for you to hear that coming up next. But first, we got to get into the song of the week. Now, I'd like to get it I'd like to dedicate this week's song of the week to Taylor Hawkins, who I'm I'm not going to be a news reporter here. You all know, very sadly passed away recently. And something that I loved about Taylor as a drummer, specifically, is that he, he was an extremely recognizable drummer what I mean by that is when you heard a Foo Fighters song or when you heard a song he was playing on you could tell it was him right away and that's something that's uh that's very special which brings me into the song of the week times like these now this is probably one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs off of uh, their album one by one and I just love this album uh it's got a light sense to it even though it's like a full you know hard hitting rock song it's got it's got like a lighter sense to it as well lyrically especially going into the chorus and you know it's it's just a great song also to sing along to and i was i was hoping to uh see the foo fighters here in winnipeg when they were coming in september but they unfortunately had to cancel their all their upcoming shows for this obvious reason and uh i was just imagining how uh this song would be with everyone singing along starting off nice and slow and then going into it but yeah that's uh this week's song of the week now up next let's get into this interview hey everyone so today our special guest on the podcast is ivan doroshuk from the group men without hats how are you today Great. How are you? I'm good. So, firstly, before we get into the interview, I just want to know where did the name Men Without Hats come from? It came from the fact that uh, my brothers and I uh, grew up in the icy winters of Montreal, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, lived by the by the motto that uh, real men don't wear toques in the winter. So uh, that's kind of where the name came from. Okay, that's kind of neat. Um, yeah, I'm I'm based out of Winnipeg, so I def I definitely get the the cold winter yeah. part. Yeah, um, my parents my parents are both from Winnipeg. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when when did you originally spark an interest with uh, music when you were growing up or later in your life? Well, my mother uh, was a music teacher. She taught uh, she taught uh, voice classical voice singing at uh, McGill University in okay. Montreal for about 25 years. 
So we grew up in a very musical family. I took piano lessons all my life and uh, I was just ready. I had the tools when, when, when punk rock came around. Uh, yeah. I was ready. I'd been listening to progressive rock music during the 70s, heavy metal and progressive rock music. And, uh, and then disco too. And I've always said that new wave music for me was a combination of progressive rock and disco. So uh, synthesizer music with the, with the dance beat. So that's kind of what I brought to the table. Right. And uh, when the band sort of started, didn't you guys sort of start as more of like a punk noise band before you got into the electronic? We were, we were, we were a guitar, just guitar band. We used to play cramps covers and mm-hmm. contortions and all kinds of punk covers and our own stuff too. But it was, it was a thrash, a thrash punk band. And uh, I just made a conscious decision at one point that I wanted to reach more people. So I wanted to make more commercial sounding music, same message, right. but just, you know, just, just more, more appealing to people's ears. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I set off on the electronic music uh, tangent. Mm-hmm. And uh, you say same message. What was that message that you were trying to get across? Well, just same message I've been talking about the whole time. You know, same message as pop goes the world. You know, the, if we don't start uh, taking care of Mother Earth, she's going to blow up type of message. You know, it's still going on today. It was, it was nothing we invented. It was just something we were we were continuing a message that had been started in the, in the 60s and mm-hmm. the hippie movement and stuff like that. So it was just, you know, it was just uh, carrying the torch and passing it on. Uh, but in those days, uh, the punk movement used to be lumped in with the new wave. It was punk new wave. It was, there was one bin at the, at the record store. It mm-hmm. was, they used to have all the alternative music, you know, records in it. And that was the, it was the punk new wave bin and uh, the, the, the shows were kind of the same thing punk bands used to get booked with new wave bands at the same places and the same nights because no nobody else would book them so so that's how we and we did share the same message it was kind of a diy kind of anti-establishment message uh, mm-hmm. it was the it was the reagan years it was the thatcher years the 80s you know it was kind of kind of the same thing that was going on now you know yeah. Same kind of same kind of thing. So when you say that you were sort of switching from, you know, a, a heavier sound to more of like a more mainstream I mean a more mainstream electronic sound, um was that a natural switch for you or did it take a lot of work to get to where you wanted to be? No, I was uh like I said, I was a classically uh, trained pianist, you know, I'd taken mm-hmm. piano lessons all my life and oh, okay. I listened to music like Genesis and Yes, and King Crimson, Pink Floyd, all the keyboard bands, you know, and and mm-hmm. so I was I was ready, and I, I was front and center in the disco movement, so I had all the I had all the dance chops and uh, and moves, and, and so uh, and like I said before, it, it was, for me it was a combination of of prog rock synthesizer music and disco music, the dance beats from disco music, and uh, like like. Robert Fripp. I was a big fan of Robert Fripp of King Crimson. And mm-hmm. He used to say that the dancing was voting with your feet. So we, we kind of carried that message along too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now in terms of, I, I like to talk a lot about producing and recording when, when you first got started, 
um, and put out Rhythm of Youth. Um, do you remember at all how that album was sort of put together? Oh yeah, that was uh, that was back in the dark ages of, of synthesizer pop music. You know, that okay. technology hadn't taken a big leap forward. That it took a couple of years later. Like for Pop Goes the World, technology had changed, and you can hear the difference between the production of Pop Goes the World the album and the Rhythm of Youth album. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot more orchestral. There's a lot more going on. You know that. The, the computers had started coming into music, MIDI, the whole thing of connecting keyboards together with drum machines and computers and mm. sequencers, that, that that came in after Safety Dance. So when we made the Safety Dance Rhythm of Youth record, it was all it was all done by hand. It was all, you know, there was there was it, and that kind of gives it its human feel, you know, kind of everything wasn't perfectly synced up together and things weren't locked in the drums weren't locked in with the bass line wasn't locked in with all the sequences and kind of kind of has this human kind of bounce to it which i think is part of its charm mm-hmm. yeah and uh and a song like and a song like uh the safety dance um what was that song about um really what's the full background story behind that song and um how, how did you sort of feel as the song was getting you know more popular over time well, the origin story between be behind the, the safety dance is um, that I was getting kicked out. My friends and I were getting kicked out of, out of discos in the dying days of discos, the end of the seventies. Disco was kind of fading out, and so the DJs would slip in a new wave song here and there. They'd slip in like Blondie's "Heart of Glass" or the B-52's Rock Lobster, or they'd put in a, slip in a Devo song or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we would we would get up and we would start what we called pogo dancing, which was jumping up and down and bouncing off each other. It was the, kind of the, the precursor to slam dancing in the, the mosh pit. And mm-hmm. so nobody had ever seen that before, and the bouncers would thought we were trying to start fights, and they would kick us out. So after a few times of that happening, I, went, I just went home and wrote this song. And, protest song i guess it was like uh, the new bob dylan you know a protest song about getting thrown out of clothes for 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 slam dancing yeah uh now in terms of uh we never we haven't touched on yet in terms of uh playing live later as you went on or as you went on or through your career is there a specific live show or memory from a show that really stands out to you Oh, there's a lot. I mean, but yeah, sure. you know, but opening up for Roxy Music at the Montreal Forum was one of them. That's uh, they were always Brian Ferry and Roxy Music were just a huge influence on me. One of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and so you know, opening up for them, you know, in front of our hometown crowd in the at the height of our fame in the middle of the '80s was quite exciting for for all of us. And, mm-hmm. and then stuff like putting back the band. You know, 10 years ago, I put the band back together and put us back on the road. And the first tour that we got was opening up for the Human League and the B-52s all across America. So that also was really kind of a dream come true because those two bands were also very influential in what I, you know, what I ended up doing. Those were bands I listened, I was listening to before I started my own band. So it it was, that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying that's there's there's a lot of exciting gigs and 
Yeah, for sure. Now, now we sort of touched on uh, rhythm of youth a little bit, but I'd also like to skip ahead um, a little bit more. Talk to me a little bit more about Pop Goes the World because I think that's also a really neat album. Yeah, well, that was our sort of that's our concept. It's the Men Without Hats, Dark Side of the Moon. I guess it's um, our concept record, and um, it was. Uh, like I say, technology had changed. We we got a bit larger in our scope and as far as the production goes. And uh, it's you know I'm I'm doubly blessed. You know to have a song like Safety Dance out there is great, but to have you know a song like Safety Dance and Pop Goes World out there is I'm doubly blessed. You know the mm-hmm. Pop Goes the World is being used as a soccer anthem now, like all over the world. So it's just like it's it's crazy the way that music can be embedded into pop culture that way. Just it blows my mind. Being a fan myself, I mean, I got into this business because because I was a fan and, and right. loved listening to music. So that, that that was one of the tools I had when I got into into this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neat. And um, just going back a little bit here, I forgot to ask about the safety dance. Um, there's, I guess there's the the original version you guys released, and then there's another version that is also quite well-known, like the video version for it. Um, originally, w- what one had you made first? The short version was the, the, the shorter version, was the, oh, okay. the album version. That was the original one. And uh, at one point, they told us, they said, hey, you know, you got to go back in. There's, there's this new thing out. It's called a 12-inch remix. Everybody's doing them. Mm-hmm. We, we need one for Safety Dance. And so we went in and just, I channeled... Uh, Grandmaster Flash is what I was doing when I was trying to emulate uh, making that remix with the spoken parts and everything. That was my version of of, uh, of a rap song. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's uh, that's how far we got. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of more recent releases, um, in twenty twenty one, you put out again part one the ep and then you followed it up with i believe a 14 song album called 14 part two um what was it like making this this new music and um getting back into it like this it was great i mean the 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 main reason for doing it was our fans our fans we had made a record for 10 years and our fans were after us wanting us to put out new music mm-hmm. And I had originally started this project as a solo piano vocal thing, just a solo project, just to get some music out there. Right. And uh, so we were we were working on that, and it's when we when we recorded the piano voice version of the Tragically Hips "Blow It High Dough." Yeah. I got kind of curious, and I said I wanted to hear what it sounded like with a full men without hats band treatment so we went back in and recorded the full band doing it and i really liked what happened i really liked the results i, I thought it was cool yeah. and that kind of that kind of launched it launched the whole project into a different direction and then we started you know a writing new songs and b going back to the vault and finding demos from pop goes the world era and sideways era and 
you know, and, and, and redoing those. And then I had a bunch of songs that I had written in the back of the tour bus for the last 10 years as we'd been on tour. So we just put all that together and, uh, and, and the whole project kind of morphed into this, into this double album that we, that we have today, but it was a great fun. We had, uh, you know, we had no, we, we didn't get sort of sidetracked by, by the recent world events because we had already penciled in the time off to, to make the record. We had already decided to take all this time off and not tour. We had canceled it. Well, not canceled, but not taken on a bunch of shows and mm. decided to take a year, a year and a half off and, and do this record. So that's what we did. We isolated ourselves on top of the Malahat Mountain on Vancouver Island and, uh, and just uh, did an old school kind of production thing. Rent a house in the middle of nowhere and build a mobile studio inside it and make your record. That's what mm. we did. Well, that's awesome. I think... Uh... I think the record's really great. Um, Thank you. Now, I'm trying to think of how to... So, as as an electro-pop sort of group, um, you mentioned you you uh, were already trained in piano, but when it comes to writing songs, do you just write with yourself into piano generally? Yeah, that's usually how it, how it works. I... Uh... It, it depends. Sometimes a, a word, a concept will come and I'll sort of build something around that. And right. Sometimes a melody will come first and the melody will lead me to a, to a vocal kind of sound that will lead me to a, a word and then to a concept. So it's, it's different, different. I, mean, I usually watershed though. I don't, I don't work at my craft uh, like a lot of other artists do. Mm-hmm. I tend, I tend to just sit around and, and contemplate and philosophize and then, after a while I'll just uh, get up and write 25 songs in two weeks and that'll be it for a while but mm-hmm. uh, this record this record record this record was actually the first time I didn't do that it was it was like I say we, we pulled a lot of we didn't we hadn't planned on making a record so we kind of pulled right. one out pulled one out of all kinds of different places and it's, it's uh, but it's a good concept it's a, it's a record turned out to be a good window on on where we're at at the moment and Mm-hmm. And part three is in the works. It's it's already we recorded a lot more stuff than we, than, than than part one and two. So part oh, three is going to going to be coming out. Uh, I, I don't know the exact release date, but it, it'll be out there. It's almost finished too. So. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, considering that you guys hadn't put out a release like this in a long time, were were you happy with uh, the response and still having people come back and listen to your music? Oh yeah, no, we're we are like I I repeat myself, but we are blessed. It's uh, we have a great bunch of fans, and we have fans that are always promoting um, our stuff. It's it's you know sometimes the the curse of having a song as big as Safety Dance as you know being labeled a one hit wonder or two hit wonder is the your the rest of your catalog goes by unnoticed, and our our fans have have always made a point of of trying to trying to bring out the rest of our catalog and point out the fact that we have uh, a deeper catalog than one or two songs mm-hmm. so uh it's uh that's the way it goes for me. but uh like i say i'm a fan and and when i look back at all the bands that have that have tried to make it and didn't it reminds me of of the nhl you know for every hockey player that makes it there's about a billion that don't right 
but music is kind of the same way. So I'm extremely, extremely lucky that my music has made it across a few generations and uh, embedded itself into pop culture like this. It's um, mm -hmm. quite lucky. Now, at the time with having a one hit or two hit wonder, um, was it frustrating for you at all to sort of only have one or two songs really circulating um, all over the place? Or did you really like having that one song sort of venture out like that? No, it's, you know, it's, it's at the, at, when it's happening, it's great. You know, mm -hmm. at, the, at the time, uh, you know, when, when the song is growing, when the thing, when the whole thing is building, it's, 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 it is very, very exciting. So uh, it's, um, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like it's uh, just being able to to be able to make music and uh, of course going going out to shows now and seeing my fans, my original fans, who bring their kids and sometimes their grandkids. You know, there's uh, it's you know thanks to shows like Glee. I mean, Glee brought us a whole new generation of of listeners mm -hmm. that uh, you know that you know you don't some not all bands can 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 expect that kind of um, that kind of good fortune in their careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this is this is a question I like to ask at every single uh, interview I do now, um, and it's it's pretty simple, but I guess you can take it to wherever you want. Um, I want to ask: Do you have any advice for um, musicians or bands who are just getting started? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just, um, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Uh, just follow your heart and don't be afraid to take advice is also another thing. I, I sometimes look back and wish I would have listened a bit more. Yeah to people who were giving me advice and, and you know, well, it's, it's, everybody's always giving you advice at that point, but, but there, there are sometimes I, uh, I should have listened and, uh, and that's it. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a competition. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, that's one of the things that I was kind of, when I got into this business, I was, I got into it for the love of music. So when you get into it for the love of music, you're kind of blinded by the business side of it. Right. And uh, so that's one thing you always got to keep a watch out for because it is a business and, uh, and, and that's it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. It's, uh, now, it's tough life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, I guess the music would uh, for sure keep you going and uh, it's, it's what you're, uh, it's what you really set out to be doing in the beginning. And, um, it's, it's a great form of art to start with. Yeah, no, it's, uh, to be able to do what you, what you, what you love to do is, is great, but, uh, there's a lot of sacrifices to be made along the way. That's one thing that people don't realize either. That there's, right. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that you have to give up to do this. I mean, when I look back at all the bands that I used to listen to and, and just kind of digitally crate dig mm -hmm. through the inter through the internet and discover like 
you know, for every band that I listen to, like I say, it's like the NHL. There was, there was like hundreds of bands that I never heard back, you know, back then. And all these people put, put so much into the, you know, they put their lives into it. They put their, all their fortunes, their, their families, their everything, everything. And, you know, for what, you know, some, some of them don't even get hurt. So it's, it's, uh, it's to be able to still be doing this is, um, definitely a challenge but it's people ask me is it hard to keep up with the current trends and i tell them that I, not really because when i turn on the the radio i hear so many 80s influences in the music of today that yeah. i feel like the i feel like the current trends are trying to keep up with me so uh, it doesn't it doesn't really uh, pose too much problems but that's that uh, you know that's actually one of the one of the reasons we can still do what we're doing is because there is such a uh, it's just, you know, a love of 80s music and, and pop today still. Yeah, 100%. And it definitely uh, stays relevant. And um, I think lots of people are looking for uh, music like you guys are uh, putting out, especially nowadays, too. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, that's that's what we do. And, um, and like I say, you know, I, I when I open the radio, I hear... I hear big '80s drum sounds. I hear synthesizers all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. for for a while after the '80s, I mean, the whole '90s was you, you couldn't you couldn't say the word synthesizer. You know, it was, you'd get canceled. So, <laughs> so uh, that that was uh, that's what was going on back then. Yeah, but now you hear a lot of you know. There's the, everywhere I go. There's people are having '80s '80s nights, and everywhere you go, so it's 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 a it was a fun time yeah um now before i wrap up the interview um i just like to ask where can people find all your new music old music social media all that sort of stuff yeah just go to safetydance.com that's the hub that'll point you in all all the different directions there's there's music there's videos there's merch there's stuff to read there's all kinds of pictures so safetydance.com Awesome. Now, thank you very, uh, thank you very much for uh, talking to me today. Hopefully, I'll catch you guys if you uh, ever head down to Winnipeg. And uh, yeah, I've got family to see there, so we'll be there at one point. Awesome. Okay. All right. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much once again to Ivan Doroshuk of uh, Men Without Hats for coming onto the show. Now, like we talked about, they have all this new music out, a new album out, so go check that out. And I was super honored to do that interview. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. More coming soon. And uh, go visit our website, www.talkandrockpod.com for more information on the podcast, other episodes, and uh, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at talkandrockpod. Let's talk soon. I'm your host, GMH. Signing off. Let's talk and rock. It's talking rock with GMH.